traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Richard! Richard! Oh, are we on? Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. What would you do for a Klondike bar? We're talking about chocolate-coated and ice cream-loaded. It's the most highly respected... Talented, tremendous ice cream sandwich, quite frankly, better than the world ever thought possible. And we asked the vice president, she's a disgrace, Kamala. We asked her what she would do for a Klondike bar. She said, I would even go down to the southern border for a Klondike bar. That's a big step because she's never been there, not even one time. Anthony Fauci, we asked him, we said, what would you do? He said, I would take off both of my masks and never wear them again. For a Klondike bar, believe it or not, he'd do that for a Klondike bar. And Creepy Joe, he said he would stop sniffing hair for a Klondike bar. So we are going to take back our country, one Klondike bar at a time, and make America great again. Believe me. That's a very talented Sean Farish, or Farash. Uh, wow, that's just impeccable, the Donald Trump impression. What would, uh, what would Justin Trudeau do for a Klondike bar? Um, I don't, prance around in minstrel attire, probably. Actually, no, he, he's doing that for nothing. He seems to get a kick out of it. No Klondike bar required. All right. I, I just read this on Twitter. Um, Lisa tweets, my daughter can attend dance camp next week, but not dance lessons. And they're both taking place literally in the same building. Well, Lisa, come on. Think about it. It's, you know, science. All right. Uh, maybe you heard, maybe you didn't. Arsonists around the country are setting fire to Christian churches and our leaders, most of them anyway, say absolutely nothing. They are silent on the issue because, well, they feel, I suppose, in their black, twisted, impossibly corrupted souls that this somehow is, is payback. It's vengeance for those uh, First Nations children who reside in hundreds of unmarked graves near residential schools in B.C. and Saskatchewan. Of course, it's not retribution. It's just criminal thuggery. 
and it's sick and it's wrong. And keep in mind, those Christian churches are frequented by First Nations people, Christians who go there to pray. And Lord knows, you know, they could use some some healing and some help and some support right now, which likely they would find uh, at church. So, of course, uh, if these were mosques or, or places of worship of other faiths, politicians would be falling all over themselves, calling for a parliamentary motion to condemn such uh, vile acts of vandalism. They'd be asking for more rigorous anti-hate legislation, but not this time, not this time, because they're afraid of offending First Nations uh, leaders. But of course, again, many of whom are Christian and attend uh, these churches that have been set ablaze. Journalist Kian Bexty from Counter Signal will be here shortly to discuss. Uh, one of North America's most ridiculous mayors, John Tory, not a serious person. He says he wants to rename Toronto streets and squares bearing the name Dundas. That's Henry Dundas, the first Viscount of Melville. He was a powerful politician from Scotland in the uh, 18th century. And Dundas, it has been suggested, was opposed to the abolition of slavery and, in fact, took steps to delay abolition for 15 years. Is that true? I don't know. Is there another side? Yes. Apparently, according to an amateur historian on Facebook, this was drawn to my attention, uh, none of that is true. Dundas uh, first defended a runaway slave in court. His victory led to the effective abolition of slavery and native serfdom in Scotland. And then after Dundas's victory, any slave in Scotland could claim his freedom. And when Wilberforce introduced a bill to abolish the slave trade, it was Dundas who presented a petition from Scottish voters in support of the motion. And because the motion was headed towards certain defeat in the British House of Commons, Dundas amended the motion to allow for a gradual implementation to stop a black market slave trade. And then that motion passed. And then ne next, Dundas proposed a motion to abolish the slave trade by 1799. Uh, but again, according to this Facebook post, the motion was stopped in the House of Lords and not resumed until 1807. Is this true? I'm not sure. We're looking into it. We're hoping to, uh, to speak with the historian uh, next week. Um, but it's something to consider. And if Toronto had a serious person as mayor, he'd look into it or have some local Toronto historian look into it. But he won't, because this isn't about looking for the truth. It's about scoring cheap and tawdry political points with woke voters. Uh, disappointing. Uh, one of America's most famous journalists, Tucker Carlson, I'm a fan. He suspects he's being spied on by his country's national security agency. And it's, it likely has something to do with his tearing down this uh, false Russian dossier hoax, uh, which the fawning media swallowed hook, line and sinker. And Carlson claims the NSA is monitoring his emails and threatening to leak them in order to uh, have his popular program on Fox News taken off the air. Now, if Tucker Carlson were employed by CNN or MNS, MSNBC or just about any liberal news outlet, this would be a huge story. But he's a conservative, uh, which means he deserves it. Uh, U.S. Attorney John O'Connor host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast and author of a fabulous book uh, about his former client, Watergate whistleblower Deep Throat. Uh, he'll be here to discuss uh, everything. Everyone, everyone is uh, talking about the weather and how unbearably hot it is. And uh, what about the heat dome out in Western Canada? Uh, oh, surely, surely this must be caused by man-made climate change. Well, Tony Heller will be here 
of this hour to destroy that narrative as we push back against climate change alarmism. Uh, during yesterday's program, we met Vadim Ilyinsky, a Canadian who sneezed while on board an Air Canada flight from Mexico to Toronto. When he got off the plane at Pearson, he was arrested by Peel Region police officers, taken away in handcuffs, and later charged with mischief. Now he's facing a $5,000 fine and a criminal record. And uh, if his story is true, it sounds a lot to me like malicious prosecution by Air Canada, and they should be ashamed of themselves. We don't know the full story, so we're going to try and reach out to some people at Air Canada and see if they'll have um, you know, uh, anything to say about this. However, in the meantime, uh, Vadim will eventually have his day in court, but he's not a rich man, and defending himself in court will require some money. So at my suggestion, he set up a GoFundMe account uh, called The Sneezing Man, and Vadim will be here in hour two as we uh, formally launch this campaign. Uh, Forrest Moretti used to work in the uh, film and television industry. He, uh, he worked on Dawson's Creek. Maybe you remember that TV program. Now he writes about medical and science uh, riddles. And he's the author of a number of well-researched yet controversial books about vaccines and the history of polio. He'll be here to talk about why he believes politicians, big tech, pharma, public health officials, doctors are pushing vaccines at all costs. The COVID vaccine, that is, at all costs. He says what we're witnessing is something akin to religious zealotry or a cult. And uh, Forrest is my featured guest around uh, 530. Then there's the cult of Lou. He has his uh, devotees and his disciples. I've seen them. Maybe you have too at the airport in their shaved heads and their saffron robes and their tambourines singing happy capitalism, happy capitalism, <laughs> happy. Oh, oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. Those are the Hare Krishnas. Never yeah. mind. Yeah, I still love you, though, Lou. Well, likewise, Richard. I mean, you know, please, you know, anything for a, a good laugh. Right. And remember, the essence of all comedy is pain. So expect yours when I get when I get the opportunity. <laughs> but, you know, when you invoke the Harry Krishnas uh, back when I was in high school in the 1970s, uh, the Krishnas had like a temple in Manhattan and they would serve a Sunday uh, lunch. And, you know, trying to bring people in and say, hey, this is who we are. Yes. Are you afraid of us? You know, we're just people like you, except, you know, the orange robes, the shaved heads and so on. And, uh, you know, just good people doing their Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. In, in fact, the, the I believe the Hare Krishna Temple is still there in Toronto on Avenue Road around, what is that, Davenport? And uh, same thing. They would, uh, I'm not sure what day of the week it is, but they serve up a, a free lunch. And uh, I think back in my student days, I, I may have gone in there one time. Yeah. So, you know, you look at it and uh, yeah, they're out there fundraising and doing what any missionary would do, right? Selling the brand at the airports, wherever, you know, uh, you know, the plate out and what have you. It's like any religion. Absolutely. Know, and my, my favorite Beatle, George Harrison was um, uh, a Krishna, I believe. I don't, yeah, I don't know that part of his history. I know that he went in, to uh, India and met the Maharaja and, you know, they came back and, you know, he picked up the sitar and did uh, music with Ravi Shankar. Yeah, I know some of uh, the, uh, you know, the, the uh, history of George Harrison. I just don't know all of it. So any thoughts on uh, Bill Cosby's eminent uh, release from prison after two years in the clink? Well, I, you know, I don't know enough about the legal process that he went through, but I guess somebody looked at the file and said, 
there's not enough evidence here and there's not enough testimony. And uh, I guess he refused any kind of a deal. And eventually a judge decided in his favor and said, no, you can go now, Bill. It's over. Right. Yeah. It sounds like kind of a procedural thing. I don't understand all the ins and outs of it as well, but it sounds like some of the, the eyewitnesses that testified against him were not directly related to the, the case that he was ultimately convicted. Uh, and, and so they shouldn't have been allowed, I guess. They shouldn't have been allowed. Uh, uh, their testimony shouldn't have been permitted. So it sounds like a kind of a procedural thing. I think he was sched- he was scheduled to do, what, three to seven years? So right. he gets off. Uh, he's 83. He's, uh, he's, he's blind. Not that, you know, he, he was convicted. And, uh, uh, but I'm sure people will be, you know, riled up about that. Uh, they'll be talking about it all day on the uh, the local chat shows, how he should have rotted in prison. Maybe, maybe he should have. But, uh, you know, I think there are there are other injustices happening that uh, are deserving of certainly equal uh, discussion and airtime, don't you? Well, you know, I mean, I think you were d- uh, discussing it earlier in the week where the proprietor of the rib joint had his case thrown out on procedure, right? Now, his legal defense, according to what I was reading in today's paper, uh, saying they're gonna refile, they're gonna reposition his case so that, uh, you know, at least it's heard. I don't think his case was heard. It was thrown out out on procedure. Right, well, the the judge said she doesn't have jurisdiction, which, you know, uh, his legal team- who does? Yeah, I mean, exactly. If she doesn't have jurisdiction to hear a charter challenge, who does? It sounds very fishy to me. And uh, hopefully they'll appeal and they'll get their day in court. And uh, uh, when they do, we'll be uh, all over that. All right, Lou, we will uh, we'll chat. And we're going to save the German word of the day. Oh, as Jody's per your request. Jody's giving me the big queen uh, wave goodbye. Goodbye. Better goodbye. than the hook. You know, That's you should have seen her. Hey, can I, you know, you should have seen her posture at the very top of the show, rubbing her temples, saying, oh, this show can't be over. This day can't be over soon enough so that I can get to my four day weekend. Huh? I know. I think we're more trouble than than we're worth sometime. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) see you in an hour. Happy capitalism. Sayonara. All right. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Christian churches being set ablaze across the country and uh, our politicians Nothing but stony silence. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. There have been a number of uh, fires at churches across the country in recent weeks. Many of them, most of them suspicious, uh, perhaps arson, uh, perhaps uh, Payback after the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at the sites of indigenous residential schools. Uh, for the most part, politicians have been silent, although I must say, I'm just reading now uh, that Alberta Premier Jason Kenney is um, referring to the most recent fire. This one at a Catholic uh, church Wednesday morning in uh, at, at uh, the St. John Baptiste Church in Morenville, Alberta, as a hate crime uh, here to discuss is Kian Bexty, uh, independent journalist and the host of Counter Signal, a very popular podcast. Hey, Kian, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Richard. So um, we've had uh, this most recent fire in Alberta. There were four or five out in British Columbia. There was, an, uh, I believe, an, uh, an, Al- an Anglican church in Ontario, the second oldest Anglican church in, uh, in Ontario. 
Uh, what do you think is going on here? Is this some vigilante who's maybe trying to to uh, take advantage of you know uh, this discovery mm-hmm. of these graves, or is it is it genuine a uh, genuine attempt at vengeance or payback? What do you think? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I will just add on to that list. There's also just moments ago uh, one in Nova Scotia, I believe, that was just attacked. Uh, these these are. I mean, without a doubt, this is arson. These are left-wing extremists, and it is a significant threat to every church in Canada, every Catholic church specifically, some Anglican churches, uh, and and perhaps more are at risk of retro- what, what what I think they see as retribution. Um, they they think it's some sort of valid form of uh, vengeance uh, and, and violence against people that they perceive to have done them wrong. Um, I don't know if this is an indigenous group. I don't know if this is Antifa, uh, but what they are is left-wing extremists. And I think that we should call them what they are. They're terrorists. Uh, if this was done to a mosque, if this was done to a synagogue, these people, these these absolute coward, cowards would be called what they are by Justin Trudeau himself. They'd be called terrorists. And I think it's important that that's what we call them. Uh, I don't know, you know, what uh, what evidence we have yet, but why would you suggest that they these are left wing? Uh, you know, you, you might be right, but how do we know? This is I mean, you, you said it yourself. This is, I, I think, and, and, and we're working on some presumptions here because nobody's claimed credit for this yet. Um, and I and I don't think that they will, at least until after Canada Day or until um, they feel like they've done their job. But this is in response to uh, the the unmarked graves that have been found at residential school, schools across the country in British Columbia and, and elsewhere. Um, and these actors are, you know, they're the same actors. I would I would uh, hesitate to guess that we're blockading railroads just just, uh, I guess, over a year ago now, just before the pandemic hit, they result, they, they resort to this sort of uh, violence and, and extreme behavior uh, to push this agenda that uh, they're, that uh, the, the uh, walk carefully here, the Catholic Church and Christians at large are the perpetrators of their, their current uh, ups, are the perpetrators of of are guilty of something? They're they're, they're saying that right. these Christians, the ones that are that are currently going to these churches that enjoy the Morinville Church, that enjoy the the churches in Okanagan and the Catholic churches, that they are personally guilty for what has happened to their families uh, at these residential schools, which were obviously awful. Um, but we don't hold every Muslim uh, guilty t- to the crimes of ISIS, right? We we don't we don't hold current people guilty for the sins of their fathers or else we would hold Justin Trudeau guilty for the sins of his father who ran a residential school, ran residential schools himself. Um, but for some reason, Christians are a valid target for this extreme violent behavior. And it's a massive problem that is being overlooked. Thankfully, Jason Kenney just announced today that there's going to be a million dollars extra in funding to protect churches uh, and other places of worship as they should be protected against hate crimes uh, whether it's a mosque or synagogue or a church, places of worship should not be the targets of vandalism, hate, and violence like we've been seeing. Right. And the sad irony here, here is, if this is retribution, many of the, the people that are attending these churches or many indigenous people are also Christian. And they're going to these churches mm-hmm. at a time right now of great suffering when they're looking to their faith 
you know, for, for comfort and support. You're absolutely right about that. The ter- churches that have been targeted, well, the most recent one was in Morinville, which wasn't on uh, uh, reserve property. Um, many, uh, two in Siksika now, uh, a reserve in southern Alberta, have been targeted. Uh, uh, flames coming out their windows uh, and windows smashed. These people uh, need, you know, they go to these churches to find solace and comfort and sanctuary. And uh, w- w- which makes me believe that the, the people that are doing it, they're not acting uh, on behalf of any sort of indigenous group, because these indigenous groups are largely religious themselves. Um, these people are extremists. Um, they don't represent the average uh, indigenous person in Canada. The average indigenous person in Canada, I think, uh, supports Canada and supports the right uh, to to practice your religion and doesn't vilify any sort of religious establishment for for anything. Uh, they, the the residential schools were a crime committed by. Uh, the state uh, taking children away from uh, from their parents wasn't something that the Catholic Church just up and did. Uh, it was something that was made legal and called for by the state, which is which is horrendous, of course. Uh, and that's uh, Ian, the organization to be held responsible for that. Ian, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and we'll talk about something else. That is the uh, this trend now across the country for canceling a sort of official Canada Day celebrations. We'll get your take on that as well. Investigative journalist Tian Bexty, host of the Counter Signal podcast, back with our conversation in three minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serres Show. Welcome back. Independent journalist and the host of Counter Signal, a very popular podcast, Kian Bexty joins us. Well, Canada Day is is going to be quite different across much of the country. I know in New Brunswick, a number of uh, towns and municipalities, Fredericton, Moncton, others uh, have canceled official Canada Day celebrations. Regina, I believe, Saskatoon, Victoria, B.C., uh, a, a number of other. Well, here in Ontario, of course, they're using. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. In the convenient excuse of, of COVID-19 saying that no in-person Canada Day celebrations are possible. Uh, but, but, but your thoughts, uh, Kian, on, on, on whether or not we should proceed as usual with Canada Day celebrations. Sorry, you know, mm-hmm. I just admitted myself. Oh. Um, oh, there you uh, the COVID excuses is one thing that I think is, is equally illegitimate uh, to the excuse that we should cancel it on behalf of, of uh, Indigenous people in a perceived slight. Um, Modern-day Canada and, and, and the history of Canada is, is much more than, than this one issue. And in Alberta, where we're lucky enough to be able to celebrate in person, uh, even some small towns are canceling it. Uh, Morinville, for example, the, the town that was just hit by that 
arson attack on on their church just sort of gave in and canceled their Canada Day celebrations. I think that's kind of giving in to um, as uh, not just I've been calling it, but but Garnet Genius, the Conservative MP, has been calling it a terrorist attack targeting the Catholic community. I think it's giving in to them. That's what they want us to do, and giving it in giving into that. Um, I think it, it it invites more attacks because they know that it works. So I think that you know Canada, there's so much to celebrate about this country uh, from from the work that Canadians did to liberate France and, and Europe from the Nazis in in Vimy Ridge and Dieppe and Normandy. Uh, you know the, the what we've done as a country is is phenomenal. This is an amazing place to live, and that's why so many people across the world. Uh, try every day to get into this country. It's why, you know, people are scrambling in at Roxham Road to get out of the United States and to get into this country. It's a great place to live, and everyone agrees except for the left-wing extremists in this country. So, of course, I think that it's this country is something to celebrate, and it's something that I will be actively doing tomorrow uh, in Calgary. Right. I, I think there may be even a lost opportunity here because, uh, you know, I, we're, we're, all, we're all grieving. Any normal... A uh, citizen of Canada uh, obviously is is appalled uh, at the treatment of Indigenous people in this country, not only in the past, but also, you know, in the present. They don't have, in many places, proper access to drinking water, which is just a, course, it's a national absolutely. embarrassment and a disgrace. But it's an opportunity also, perhaps, during a, an official Canada Day celebration, maybe to to mark, uh, you know, a moment or a, a two minutes of silence and 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 make mention of, you know, this recent discovery in Kamloops and, and in Saskatchewan of these unmarked graves. Um, sure. You know, in the spirit of reconciliation, that's something that's, you know, totally on the table and something that, and you're right, every normal Canadian with their head on their so- shoulders, you know, can grieve with the ancestors and, and, and the parents of the children that were confiscated from them by the state. What a, what a horrible thing to have happened and any normal person grieves with them. Uh, and that's something that we can acknowledge and, and move forward with, but canceling Canada today. Uh, this country is so much more than the mistakes of Justin Trudeau's father uh, and prime ministers of the 20th century. Uh, this country has stood up for freedom around the world in Afghanistan and in Europe and, you know, in Africa as well. Uh, and to not celebrate that is, is an affront to, uh, the children of those soldiers who died uh, and, and the grandchildren. It's an, it's an affront to everyone who's put their lives on the line to protect this country and people around the world. And it's just it's so sad to see people giving in to these leftist extremists calling for it to be canceled. It's really it's really sad. Right. I, I think the other thing is that every country on this planet has dark chapters in its history. And one of the things that sets countries like Canada, the United States, a few others apart is that is that we we acknowledge it. We strive to do better. Uh, we we don't always succeed. We don't do enough. Perhaps you could argue. But we 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 there is this um, this spirit of redemption that we have in the West that that we we recognize we're not perfect we need to do better we must do better and that that's worth celebrating on Canada Day of course of course and you know these the rhetoric that's coming out of the left uh these days is playing right into the hands of China who is just having a heyday with this um the the Chinese who are currently actively 
committing genocide in in the West End of their country are laughing at us uh, because we can't come to terms with what happened without raising the whole country. Um, they, well, you know, we should be calling out what happened in the past and and what is happening currently. And you're right about what you're saying about the water on these uh, reserve properties, them not having access to clean drinking water. Why not start there? Why not start off uh, calling out what's going on in China? human life is valuable. Uh, and, and the ones that are existing today in, in modern day Canada and, and this world are, are so, you know, we should be we should be paying attention to that. But we're not paying attention to China. We're not paying attention to those suffering on reserves right now with the lack of property rights, with the lack of clean drinking water. Uh, we would we would much rather and I say we as in uh, the government, Justin Trudeau would much rather virtue signal and posture uh, and and blame others for mistakes that happened in the past, rather than take accountability for what's going on right now, and and helping people where they actually need help, rather than just you know virtue signaling. Ian, how do we listen to the counter signal? You, know, you can go to thecountersignal.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Kean. That's where I break most of my news, uh, and and of course I, I publish news daily at thecountersignal.com. Fantastic, Ian. Great work as always. Thanks. I hope we'll talk again soon. Take care, Richard. Ian Bexty. All right. Why is the National Security Agency spying on journalist Tucker Carlson? And why are most other journalists okay with that? U.S. Attorney John O'Connor joins me next to discuss. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Hey, Richard Serrett here, along with Dr. Cass Ingram, author of 30 books on natural healing. Cass, let's talk about a product my family and I have been using for years, the Oregano P73 for immune support. That's a good one. That's going to be mountain-grown wild oregano up to 12,000 feet, then extracting that with steam. And that's the most powerful germ killer known in immune support. So if there's one thing you got to do, it's the Oregano P73, and boom, you get the benefit. And what are some of the benefits? Well, you've got the bacteria, viruses, parasites, and fungus. Knock those down. Immune system, white blood cells, more active. And you can take this every day just so you don't get sick. Why not? One product, one big benefit. Thanks, Cass. North American Urban Spice Oregano P73 available in local health food stores across the GTA. Or you can order online at oregano.com. That's O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L oregano.com Well, under normal circumstances, this would be a huge story. Fox News host, journalist Tucker Carlson uh, says he has on good authority a a, a believable source that the National Security Security Agency is spying on him. Here to uh, discuss is John O'Connor, a U.S. attorney, former lawyer representing the late Mark Felt, and uh, Watergate whistleblower Deep Throat. He's the author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. And he's also the host of Mysteries of Watergate podcast. Hey, John, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Richard. Good to talk to you. Good to see you again. You too. So um, this story that uh, Tucker, has, he's been talking about it nonstop for the last several days, and rightly so. This should be huge. Uh, the, the details, as you understand them, does it sound credible that he is being spied on by the NSA? Well, it seems tremendously credible, especially in light of the fact that it has not really been denied 
forcefully. There have been non-denials, denials, non-denying denials. For example, they said that Tucker is not their target. Well, I, uh, that's fine. He may not be a, quote, target, which is a legal term, meaning that's that he's a foreign agent. Uh, that may be so. And, uh, and it also uh, is the case that they may be their motive is not, as Tucker says, to kick him off the air. Now, the NSA may know that a natural logical consequence of what they're doing would be that he would be kicked off the air. But that doesn't mean their motive is such. It's un- almost an unimpeachable statement when they say their motive is thus and such. I can push you off a 48 story building and I can say, well, I didn't mean to kill Richard. Uh, so you can always say that. But the fact that it is not denied any more than it has been, and the fact that Jen Psaki, Biden's uh, spokesperson, did not deny it, is to me uh, chilling. Uh, I suspect that it is uh, very much true. Now, one of the proofs offered by other networks, major news networks who want to skewer Carlson and skewer Fox, is to say, well, Fox didn't jump to Carlson's defense. And my gosh, when uh, records were sought regarding a CNN reporter recently, all the networks jumped jumped up and protested. I have a couple comments there. Uh, all that does is show how biased our media is. I think the Murdochs who own Fox are very much afraid to jump in the fray and they realize they don't need to, nor are they witnesses to what the uh, Tucker's uh, source said. So they may not have personal knowledge in any case and may not want to be jump into a fray uh, unnecessarily. Whereas the recent uh, kerfuffle over this one reporter, the, the government trying to get her records, was very restrained and restricted. First of all, it wasn't secret. It wasn't behind the back of CNN. the, the, the uh, Justice Department told CNN and, and sued CNN. They just kept it confidential. If you have certain things like, for instance, if I were to bring a rape case or something like that, the court may have a gag order and it may be confidential among the participants, but that doesn't mean it's secret. That just means it's not. The second thing is, in that case, all they sought was email logs to see who was emailing the reporter. They were not trying to get her actual communication. So it's very restrained. And there was actually a criminal uh, case involved. Now, what they're doing with Tucker is under the national security ambit, in which you need no crime. There need not be a palpable crime. Would they need a FISA FISA court to provide provide a warrant? Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, I think the NSA has the power to do a lot of uh, snooping without a warrant. And, uh, and, and actually, FISA is not a necessity. FISA is met because of Mark Felt's Deep Throat's case back in 1980, was there to protect agents who did in good faith what they thought was a legitimate national security incursion and needed protection. But you can sort of go in naked and say, look, this is national security. I don't need a FISA warrant. If somebody wants to come after me later on, let them do it. But we're confident it's OK. In fact, so they didn't do a FISA and that takes a lot of time. So um, what they're doing, if it's national security, you know, you can do it. George, uh, 
Abraham Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation on the basis of national security. You just do it. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's a little scary. And I, by the way, I, I don't think Tucker Carlson's making this up. He's a very intelligent guy. Uh, some people may not like his views, uh, but he's he's about as bright as you get. And I don't think he's making this up. Right. And uh, exactly. That's perhaps why we're hearing, again, stony silence from his his colleagues who should be coming to his defense. It's because he's of the wrong political stripe. John O'Connor, very quickly, how do we listen to Mysteries of Watergate, the podcast? Well, I would just go on postgatebook.com and click on podcast. If you have Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout, The Mysteries of Watergate, get that podcast, and it's a lot of fun. It'll tell you a lot about what happened in Watergate. Fantastic. John, always a pleasure. We'll talk again. Thank you so much. Okay, Richard. Good talking to you. See you. John O'Connor. All right. We'll push back against climate change alarmism, and we'll take a look at uh, these heat domes. Tony Heller joins us next. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. Well, you've seen the headlines. Heat Dome, bringing record highs to the Pacific Northwest. The Heat Dome, what is it and what could happen if we don't uh, cut back on CO2? Uh, Western Canada's extreme wave. Some experts have never seen anything like it. Well, what pretel is a heat dome? Is it caused by man-made climate or man-made global warming, as we've been told? Here to discuss is Tony Heller, a geologist, environmentalist, the founder of RealClimateScience.com. You can find his compelling videos, which, uh, quite frankly, utterly destroy the false narrative of man-made climate change at NewTube.com. Hey, Tony, welcome back. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Richard. How about yourself? Very well. So let's start with uh, some basics. What exactly is a heat dome? Well, there was um, a very large, intense, high-pressure um, cell centered uh, over British, southern British Columbia um, for a few days. And um, it, when you have a high pressure like that, it causes the air to sink, which means it's warming. It was also producing very strong downslope winds coming off of the Rocky Mountains, which also produce heat. Those are like, on the other side of the mountains, they call them Chinook winds, like in Alberta. Um, so when you get downslope winds, the temperatures warm up. So you had a combination of things where you got some very, very hot weather in parts of British Columbia and Washington and Oregon. And... Um, and that it's what they're trying to blame on climate change. Of course, these things have always happened. They happen many times every year. And if you go off to the east, and uh, like uh, where I live in Wyoming, the weather's been very cool. And New Mexico has actually been having record cool air for the end of June, but they're not talking about that. And if, it, if, it, if the problem was that CO2 is trapping heat, it would be trapping heat in British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, and New Mexico. But that's not what's going on. It's just a localized weather phenomenon. I think it's possible that Canada may have set their all-time temperature record, but Washington and Oregon didn't. Um, in 1898, during July and August of 1898, um, Oregon had a three-week-long heat wave, and they twice recorded temperatures over 119 degrees Fahrenheit. This year's hottest they got was 118. These claims that were it's some sort of unprecedented heat wave, and it's caused by carbon dioxide, 
don't stand up to any scrutiny. That's not what's going on here. All right. I wanted to mention this. Uh, I, I did talk about it uh, briefly yesterday in anticipation of you coming on today. And I, I, I retweeted a graph that you had um, put up on Twitter and it had to do with these claims of, you know, record high temperatures. And you totally dismantled that argument by just going to the actual data, I believe, from like a U.S. government, you know, weather data website. Uh, you republished these graphs showing, no, this was the hottest day on this date back in 1934 and so forth. I think you remember the one I'm referring to. I tried to retweet it. Yeah. And, and Twitter actually attached a label saying this is sensitive content. And then they blurred out the original yeah. tweet. I, I couldn't even retweet what you tweeted, which came yeah. from a, a U.S. government source. Yeah, um, I guess reality is is a sensitive content for Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, the, if you look at the United States has this outstanding um, temperature record. There's about nearly 1,200 uh, or 1,300 temperature stations across the country called the United States Historical Climatology Network. And if you look at the stations which have a record of 100 years or more, which is more than 700 of them, uh, um, the vast majority of them set their all-time high temperature record before 1960. Most of them occurred during the 1930s, and in fact, about one quarter of them set the record just during 1936. And there's been very few all-time temperature records in the United States since carbon dioxide got above 350 parts per million. So the claim that carbon dioxide is causing more record temperatures or more heat waves simply it doesn't stand up to any scrutiny. The worst heat waves in the United States were from during the 1920s through the 1950s. And since about 1960, we've been having much fewer heat waves and heat waves have been having have become much less intense. The, the area of the United States, which reaches 100 degrees sometime during the summer, has dropped in half in the United States since the 1930s. So these claims are completely bogus. They're, they're, you know, they're just trying to scare people. You know, I call them ambulance chasing snake oil salesmen. They go around, they find some place where the weather's hot, and they say, we've, you've got a problem and we've got a solution for it. You know, had, had the hot weather been in New Mexico, they would have said New Mexico was representative of the climate. But since it was cold in New Mexico, they ignored New Mexico and went to British Columbia and the Pacific Northwest. So it's what they're doing doesn't have anything to do with science. And it, and if you look at history, their their claims don't hold any water. I call them climate change bedwetters. All right, uh, Tony, yeah. we can find your uh, your videos, and they're terrific. People really need to get head over to NewTube.com. And uh, I guess they just type in your name, Tony Heller, and they'll find them, right? Yeah, I've actually been posting most of my videos on YouTube recently. They seem to have cut back on their censorship for climate stuff, at least. So, And, and I get much bigger reach there, so that's probably the best place to find them. All right, them we'll, YouTube. We'll, we'll direct them back over to YouTube then. Please take a moment, check out yeah. Tony Heller at YouTube. And uh, great ammunition for uh, when you get into a, a bar argument with your uh, climate change bedwetting friends. All right, Tony, we'll talk again next week. Have a, have a terrific uh, July 4th. You too, Richard. Thanks. All right, Tony Heller. Hour two awaits. We'll uh, we'll revisit with the sneezing man. A visit from Lou, of course, and uh, Forrest Moretti. We'll talk about the cult. 
of the vaccinators. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show. Hour two awaits in just three minutes. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Hey, Richard! Hello, yes. Can I help you? Richard! The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back to Hour 2. Hey, Jody, can you play that Trump Klondike bar thing again? I don't think she can hear me. Hey, Jody? All right, we'll, we'll hold off on it. We'll play in a second. I love it. I love it. Sean Farage, that's just an impeccable Donald Trump. Uh, anyway, uh, a little bit later this hour, we're going to meet, uh, or re-meet, I guess, Vadim Ilyinsky. He was the uh, Canadian who was arrested last August. He was on board an Air Canada flight from Mexico back to Toronto, where he resides. And um, he admits to having a, uh, a bit of a sinus problem. And he started sneezing. And um, he, uh, he he had a problem with his mask. He was trying to repair his mask and uh, started to sneeze. And a flight attendant came over and he sneezed while I guess he was in close proximity to this flight attendant. Uh, he apologized profusely, he says. Anyway, uh, nothing more was said. He gets off the plane at Pearson and he is handcuffed by Peel Regional Police and uh, taken uh, taken to the police station and charged with mischief. He now faces a a five thousand dollar fine, a criminal record. And uh, so he's uh, launching a GoFundMe campaign uh, account, I guess, today. And uh, he's calling it uh, the sneezing man. So he'll be here to tell us a little bit more. And if uh, if you're able to help him out. Please uh, do so. We'll give you the details. Forrest Moretti worked in the film and television industry. Remember, you may remember uh, Dawson's Creek. He worked on that uh, program. I believe he's uh, in, the, in the sound department. Uh, however, since then, uh, he has been devoted, devoting most of his time to writing and researching uh, medical and uh, scientific riddles, if you will. He's written uh, some controversial uh, but well-researched books on vaccines, on autism, on the history of polio. Uh, and... Um, he uh, tweeted out recently an interesting thread. I just found, found it very powerful and profound about why uh, politicians, doctors, public health officials, uh, philanthropists, many, many people uh, are uh, promoting this COVID vaccine 
no matter what, at any cost almost, despite, you know, warnings from the inventor of the mRNA vaccine, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, concerns from the uh, the CDC and so on and so forth. Anyway, he's calling this uh, religious zealotry. It's akin to religious zealotry. Forrest Moretti will join us uh, a little bit later this hour. News, not in the news. The news. All right, Lou, welcome back, my friend. I got to play... I got to play this for you. Sean Farage as Donald Trump. Can we hear that, Jody? What would you do for a Klondike bar? We're talking about chocolate coated and ice cream loaded. It's the most highly respected, talented, tremendous ice cream sandwich, quite frankly, better than the world ever thought possible. And we asked the vice president, she's a disgrace. Kamala, we asked her what she would do for a Klondike bar. She said, I would even go down to the southern border for a Klondike bar. That's a big step because she's never been there, not even one time. Anthony Fauci, we asked him, we said, what would you do? He said, I would take off both of my masks and never wear them again for a Klondike bar. Believe it or not, he'd do that for a Klondike bar. And Creepy Joe, he said he would stop sniffing hair for a Klondike bar. So we are going to take back our country one Klondike bar at a time and make America great again. Believe me believe him there you go isn't that something isn't he incredible lou that's a great act you know uh, an old friend of mine don rosso who in uh the right hairstyle and so on uh you know really looked like trump and i told him over the course of the trump administration you've got to work on the voice of trump to go with the physical presence because you know as an uh as an actor, as a background actor, you know, uh, 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 silent on camera, SOC, right. he right. did okay. But as a uh, speaking part, maybe not so good. Right, right. And there's some, you know, could get some corporate gigs. Although up here in uh, in woke Canada, where we have about 36 million registered Democrats, <laughs> the gigs might be few and far between. But uh, well, he there- got booked in the states. He got booked internationally. Right. But I thought the complete package would have been the better seller, right? Right, yeah. You gotta have the voice as well. You're right. Speaking gotta work parts it. pay much you know, better. Voice and the actor, you know about that. Oh yeah. Well this guy, he's he's just uh, spot on, very talented. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Uh, you know what? I was listening to uh his pitch for the Klondike bar and I said, Boy, it's a good thing it's not like an Eskimo bar. That would be like thrown right out, right? That That's would not it. that would not no longer be allowed to exist. What happened to Eskimo bars? Are they still around? I don't know. I know that, you know, a lot of other uh, culturally appropriated uh, uh, mascots, if you will, have been disallowed. Right. It's no longer the Edmonton Eskimos. Are they called the the elk now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that, well, it saves them redoing the logo, right? E.E. Edmonton Elks, the E.E. There you go. There you go. Now, I think the Washington Redskins uh, basically have said, we're not changing our name. In fact, they've done... Uh, a number of polls the Redskins have, they've gone right to the, you know, the indigenous, indigenous community and say, how do you feel about the name? And, and most, they either A, don't care, B, actually think it's kind of cool uh, and kind of a, an, an honorific, which is, I think it's what is, it is intended to be. So uh, the Redskins are, are, uh, are not going to change their name. It's the last time I Well, I, you know, Richard, I know that you're not a sports fan, except no. for the Maple Leafs. And by the way, Montreal Canadiens are playing tonight. Um, but 
And the Leafs aren't. I guess that's my point. Well, well no, get the, the shiv in there. Had to put <laughs> the shiv in there. The Leafs are playing. It's golf. But uh, the Skins did decide that they would just be the Washington football team. Oh, they have decided. Okay, yeah, that's I think an about that was that- last season. Okay, that's an about face because uh, the last time yeah, I they, checked. I mean, I don't think they could have uh, maintained their uh, corporate sponsorships and so on. There was a lot of pressure to uh, change okay. the name, right? So they ultimately caved. All right. Well, that's uh, that's well, certainly you know, money right. talks, right? That's it. That's it. That's everything. Uh, do we have time for a German word of the day? Of course we do. We have yeah, plenty of time. Bring it on. Let's bring do it, on. it. The German word of the day, Jody. All right. Here is your German word of the day. Kopfkino. 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 I love it. There you go. The now, literal. What does it mean? Kino, okay, now... I know, is a game of chance, isn't it? Uh, yes, not in this case. Kopfkino is the literal Eng- English translation is head cinema. Head oh. cinema. Like a cinema playing in your head. So the meaning is this word is for those situations where you play out how you imagine a scenario would go in your head. So, you know, maybe before you arrive at a party or something, you're, you're playing in your head how the scenario is going to play out. That's head cinema. That's Kopfkino. Oh, is that Sebastian? Sebastian is with me. I'm the only uh, guardian to be with him. Everybody else has left the residence. So I've got him here. He's, uh, he's agitated for some reason. I don't know what it is. He's chewing on my hand. And so I, I think that's a sign of affection till he rips flesh off. Until he but, draws blood, yes. Yeah, so so that's Sebastian. Yeah, he's saying, Hey, I gotta go out. Well, hey, this is this is a momentous occasion because this is Sebastian's debut on the Ricky Sarah show <laughs> on Saga nine sixty. That's true. And he's looking at me and saying, Hey, step aside, Stooge. It's my it's my it's my cue. Now, are you able to pick him up and hold him in, in front of the webcam? A, a listeners can't uh, see him, but I, I wouldn't do it at this point. He's a little agitated. That's why he's barking. He's he's needing some kind of attention. He's a needy dog. Is There's he? No t- oh, absolutely. Is he a absolutely. taker and not a maker? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's my daughter's dog, right? And his superpower. This is her first boyfriend. I couldn't be happier. Okay. That's a superpower for me. That is a superpower, indeed. So anyway, Kofkino, 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 Kofkino. Really, is it's really a synonym for uh, visualization. Visualize the outcome that you want, right? Right, right. Athletes live by that, right? Oh, they visualize absolutely. the outcome. Yeah. yeah what about and, in, in business? Sorry. Does it work in business as well? Well, when you're going into a negotiation or an introduction or that sort of thing, um, you know, why not? Right. Uh, Absolutely. Like I I go into meetings, Richard, and, uh, you know, I ask myself, you know, what do I want to what do I want out of this meeting and how do I get it? Right. And I, I visualize that. Well, the art of negotiation, that's something that needs to be taught in school with children. Oh, you think? Absolutely. Right. You know, any kind of skill, like I'm, I'm understanding that uh, they're going to teach financial literacy in the high schools now. That's a good place to start, right? I agree, yes. Grade yes. school might be better, right? So kids understand, you know, uh, spend less than you make, right? 
hundred percent, hundred percent. Save and invest and so on. Yeah, we. You know that uh, that 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 uh, slogan or that's that saying the negotiating parent. It's it kind of is a, it's it's kind of been maligned. You know that you shouldn't you shouldn't negotiate with your kids. But I don't entirely agree. Now, I think that's a great opportunity to allow your your children to learn negotiating skills. So that, let's say for example they want to negotiate bedtime. Now, you know, if you say, well, no, 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 you have to be, you have to rule with a, an iron fist and a velvet glove. Bedtime is nine o'clock. But if you encourage your kids to negotiate a little bit, it doesn't mean you have to give in and give them what they want, but, but giving them opportunities to negotiate, to get what they want, I think to a certain degree is a healthy thing. What do you think? Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more because in uh, developing Madeline, right, I always said, listen, I, I, I'm not going to give you everything that you want, but I'm, I'm going to teach you how to get what you want. Yeah. And if you think that, you know, stamping your feet and acting hysterically is going to get you there, you're wrong. However, there are different, you know, there are other methods that will get you what you want. Right. That's what I always say to you when you're stomping your feet. I say, use your words, Lou, use your words. <laughs> and I've taken that to heart. You know, I had a friend of mine who we went into a business meeting and as we walked out, he said, Lou, I'm just going to give you one piece of advice. Stop yelling at the checkbook. Stop yelling at the checkbook. Yes. Well, I heard Sebastian growling there. So he's uh, he's determined to get you out for his uh, his afternoon constitutional, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, whatever it is, you know, he hasn't communicated to me, but I can tell you with uh, artificial intelligence in the next 10 years, he'll be bossing me around. Oh, won't that be something? I hope I live long enough to see that or to hear <laughs> that. Use your words, Sebastian. Use your words. All right, Lou, you have a great Canada Day. Hey, Lula. you've made it great as a four day weekend. Sarah right. for president. <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike bar? All right. We'll, we'll talk Monday, my friend. All right. Enjoy your family. See All you, right. Jody. Back to the sneezing man when we come back. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Vadim Ilyinsky was arrested and charged with mischief last August after he sneezed near a flight attendant during an Air Canada flight from Mexico to Toronto. He's launched a GoFundMe campaign to help raise money for his legal defense. Vadim, welcome back. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you for having me here. So this was a, a, a shocking story that you related yesterday on the air. I would say laughable, except obviously it's not funny to you. You, you, you face a possible criminal record and $5,000 in fines. Now, you've had a number of court appearances over Zoom. Have you had legal representation or are you doing this all on your own up to now? Up to now, I didn't have uh, any help. I did it by myself, uh, but it's not went to the court yet. It was just a pre-court uh, appearance. So the first one will be very soon, and I actually need to hire some uh, legal advice. Right. And so um, if you don't, are, are you going, first of all, are you going to plead uh, innocent or? That's very uh, hard question because I am not feel like I play uh, guilty uh, for something that I didn't do. But uh, all advice that I advise, advise it that I have uh, from people and lawyers that say, if you play guilty, they will give you a deal and you can just will be uh, conditionally discharged. 
but I don't feel like I have to <laughs> play guilty on something that I didn't do or something that absolutely, uh, ironically, um, um, how can I say, uh, not serious or not. Right. Uh, well, you, yeah. you, you, you did sneeze, but it's not that's I mean, that's not something you could help. Uh, and you and you mentioned yesterday that you 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 know you apologized profusely. You you warned the oh. the uh, the flight attendant. Listen, I'm going to sneeze. I'm sorry. Yeah, many times. Like I did it before, and I did it after, and that's not something that I can do. If it's, uh, so, um, they just uh, I believe they just uh, uh, accept it in some wrong way. And I'm not sure why they give it to like reported to police. That's right. very strange. Now, obviously, their concern was or not obviously, but presumably their concern was that in this, you know, during COVID that uh, you sneezed and you may have you know, spread COVID. Have you been tested for COVID? Did they require you to, to test for COVID? No, they didn't require. And I didn't test uh, ever. And I didn't feel like to do it ever because I didn't uh, feel anything, anything like that. <laughs> right, right. This is so, just a sinus condition you have and you sneeze. From oh, Evan, yeah, the condition I have, but that's just a sneezing. That's it's. I've not right. uh, running nose, and that's uh, for all my life. It's not something new. Well, that's interesting that they wouldn't if if they're going to charge you with mischief, and obviously they're 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 doing that because they're thinking uh, because you're sneezing that poses a, a threat to public health, and yet they didn't require you to be tested for COVID. Don't you find that interesting? I find it interesting. You're absolutely right. I found that the whole story is kind of a bit of a making up story because even if I read the the, the uh, information from the two attendants there who spoke with the police officer, they are not talking the same thing. So it, it sounds to me they're just making up story, which is uh, who right. can explain why I I, I, I have, might have my some my personal ideas why they could do it in this period of time, but it's definitely not what happened. So the point is, though, that you're facing a possible criminal record here and a five thousand dollar fine. I mean, I don't <laughs> yes. know. I don't know your personal financial situation. It's none of my business, but I don't think anyone, you know, uh, well, five thousand dollars. That's that's a, that's going to mean a lot. Right. For you, I'm guessing it is. It, is, it will. Uh, yeah, it, it is a big money for me. I'm not uh, in a possible, like a position to uh, have it uh, so easily. And also, um uh, that will be the most uh, expensive sneezing in the world. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. And then uh, on top of that, you ha- you you'll have to uh, hire uh, a lawyer. Uh, the, you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need Which... to hire a lawyer, and that's that's so obvious. Will be like more than five thousand dollars just for 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 help and for help. Okay. So yesterday on the show, we talked about you know uh, maybe you should launch a GoFundMe campaign, which you have done. Yes, and- I did. And uh, if people go to GoFundMe.com, GoFundMe.com, and there's a little uh, magnifying glass there where you can click to do a search, uh, what do they type in? They will type uh, very something that's very easy to, to remember, just uh, sneezing man. And that will be on the first line, sneezing man or they sneezing man. The sneezing man, right. And then they just, your name will pop up, Vadim Lienski. Yep. And uh, you've set a goal of $10,000. Yeah, just to cover uh, the minimum that I can, can imagine it will cost me. Uh, it might cost more, as, as, as I understand. All right. So, again, GoFundMe.com. 
do a search for the sneezing man and it's Vadim Ilyinsky looking to raise $10,000 for his legal defense, or perhaps in the eventuality he's, you know, he has to pay the fine. That's a $5,000 fine. Um, Vadim, we wish you all the the, the, the best. And uh, we'll call on you from time to time to just to check in, maybe see how the GoFundMe campaign is doing. And, um, you know, hopefully this will have a positive resolution for you one way or the other. Thank you so much for your time and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Vadim Ilyinsky, again, GoFundMe.com and uh, search for The Sneezing Man. All right. Uh, let's see. When we come back, we'll speak with Forrest Moretti, uh, and he'll discuss religious zealotry when it comes to vaccines. That discussion happens in about three minutes. Don't go away. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. So a few days ago, a science and medical writer wanted to explain why so many in government, tech, public health, pharma and philanthropy are so dedicated to pushing the coronavirus vaccine no matter what. Forrest Moretti is the creator of the popular My Incredible Opinion and Vax Baby video series. He spent the last few years researching and writing about some of the most enigmatic riddles of science and medicine, notably autism and polio. He's spoken at events and conferences around the United States. He's the author of The Autism Vaccine, Crooked, Man-Made Disease Explained, Unvaccinated, and The Moth in the Iron Lung, a biography of polio. Forrest Moretti, good to hear from you again. How are you? Hey, Richard. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is uh, this thread that you put together on Twitter is uh, is very powerful. You, you write that for those who worship science and technology, protecting the vaccine story is paramount. Why is it paramount? Well, uh, the essentially much of the modern um, science and technology movement has become. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Um, a de facto religion um, for many people, and this includes uh, Christians and atheists alike. And uh, this isn't a metaphor. This isn't something I'm just sort of stating as a you know hyperbole. This is a literal change that's happened in people's belief system. Um, made up principally because of the myth that vaccines have saved humanity from certain death. 
And uh, there's a, a folklore that's sort of arisen mainly out of the polio vaccine, but out of others as well, that have essentially convinced humans that death and disease were stalking us at every turn until vaccines came along. So uh, without vaccines, uh, science and technology don't have the savior that they can worship. Uh, you know, their magic tricks are gone. I mean, antibiotics are great, but we all know we're playing with fire with antibiotics. One day we will pay the price. We will, you know, spawn some uh, super bacterial strain that, that nothing works against, and we'll pay the price for that. Um, chemotherapy can, can uh, you know, stem the tide of cancer, but it brings with it some very nasty side effects. You know, nothing's free, but those who worship science and technology want us to believe that vaccines are free. They do nothing but save. And, and so like, so like any ahead. religious zealot, you, you can't have a rational discussion with them because the answer is it's a circular argument. It's, well, because vaccines. So is that why um, things like uh, uh, treatments, there's this uh, a number of doctors have referred to it as a, a treatment nihilism. They, you can't even talk about ivermectin. You can't talk about vitamin D. You can't talk about hydroxychloroquine because vaccines. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect example. I mean, rational thought is the first thing to go in a religious belief system, right? I'm a Christian. Uh, and if you want to argue with me that uh, God doesn't exist or Jesus, a man, walked the earth and died and was resurrected, you're not going to get a rational argument from me, okay? This is religion. Religion is, by definition, in a lot of ways, it's not rational. I'll be the first to admit it. But when those who worship science and technology insist that their belief system is rational and that to question it is forbidden, you're going to have problems. So, yes, when you have scientists refusing to allow uh, certain medicines that show promise, they're refusing to allow those to treat people who have this uh, infection, you're going to have problems. And so, yes, Rational thought has disappeared. It's insane that board-certified physicians, epidemiologists, even the inventor of the mRNA vaccine can be censored and banned from YouTube and other platforms discussing what are purely scientific observations about certain medicines and, and approaches. All right, we'll uh, take a quick time out, uh, Forrest. Stay put, and we'll come back and discuss the cult of the vaccinators. Forrest Moretti, my guest. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. And we're back with Forrest Moretti, creator of the popular My Incredible Opinion, now a podcast uh, in season two. And uh, Vax Baby, the video series, spent uh, the last few years researching and writing about some of the most enigmatic riddles of science and medicine. He's the author of The Autism Vaccine, Crooked, Man-Made Disease Explained, Unvaccinated, and The Moth in the Iron Lung, a biography of polio. And uh, I mentioned the My Incredible Opinion podcast. Go to myincredibleopinion.com, myincredibleopinion.com. Uh, so back to the, uh, uh, the religious uh, zealots uh, who worship science. 
And um, you say they put the vaccine above all else. So therapies, um, everything else is a, is a distant second. What about those who argue, some maybe of the more conspiratorial minded, who say that this is really the vaccine, that is, this is really about money, or this is about even something more sinister and nefarious, population control? Yeah, there's uh, a lot to unpack there. Uh, I'm, I'm for someone who is called a the ultimate conspiracy theorist i really don't buy much into either of those two um, approaches uh surely there are, are lots of people making money off these vaccines i think there's seven billionaires that have been minted uh in the last year or two from these vaccines um but were they created purposely just for money i don't think so uh, other people have insinuated this is a, uh, a an attempt at population control because of some of Bill Gates' statements in the past. Um, and I, I'll say maybe there's something nefarious there, but I don't think the majority of people are supporting the vaccine because of money or population control. I mean, look, go to any local health food store. Okay, these people sell the most organic food on the planet. You know, there there's stores in my town that would make Whole Foods blush. They're so organic and they love their coronavirus vaccine. Ask yourself, why is that? This shot is not organic. It's not healthy. It's nothing they would ever sell in their store any other way. But when it comes to vaccines, it's completely fine. It's something that they would celebrate. There's a reason for that. It's not money. It's not population control. It is their savior. It's that thing they worship. I understand that for, you know, scientists or some medical practitioners who, who genuinely believe, maybe erroneously, maybe not, that, that vaccines, you know, do save lives. Uh, but what about what about journalists? What about investigative journalists, mm. uh, particularly when, you know, this Data is is kind of hiding out there in, in plain sight, whether we're looking at the the the, uh, the vaccine, the adverse uh, effects of the vaccine and VAERS uh, or its equivalent up here in Canada. Or you mentioned Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA vaccine, who's sounding the alarms or at least saying, let's proceed with great caution. Uh, and yet that's not showing up in the uh, the news for the most part. Well, how do we explain this religious zealotry on the part of journalists? Well, there's two big components to that. One is access. You, you will not get access if you do not tell the narrative. So, you know, keep in mind the pharmaceutical industry is the largest political lobby in the in the world. And I'm not sure if this is true. I believe they're the largest advertising segment in the world. So if you run any news program of note, a significant portion of your dollars will come from pharmaceutical interests. So if you do not um, play along with the game that everything they're doing is fine and there's nothing wrong with the vaccines, you can expect those dollars to disappear really quickly. The other side of the, the matter is for journalists, um, you'll get shut out by your peers. They all know this is a political uh vein through this as well. They know what they're supposed to say about vaccines. They know that if they question them, they will stop getting stories. They will stop getting airtime. And eventually they'll get, they'll get, you know, nuzzled out of, of any breaking story because they're not saying 
the right thing. I mean, you know this in other topics. It's not just vaccines in that regard. You know, you can't question any mainstream narrative and expect to continue getting leads on on stories. You've, uh, you've written about the history of a number of vaccines, the polio vaccine, of course. Uh, do you see any parallels in, in the rollout of the COVID vaccine, the way it has been, uh, I guess, accepted almost blindly uh, and, and, and other vaccines? Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually been doing some initial sketch work uh, on, a, on a book because I think the parallels are, are uncanny in some ways. Uh, one of which is polio represents the original gain of function research. This is a term everyone's familiar with now. Um, if, if you're not, gain of function research is essentially purposefully manipulating microbial agents in hopes that they become more virulent. Now, in the old days, let's say the 1910s at the Rockefeller Institute, they were doing this with the polio virus because it didn't paralyze very effectively. And they had to try it on monkeys. And every time they tried it, they had to euthanize the monkey once they did it. So they purposefully tried to make the um, polio virus more virulent. So there's an interesting parallel in that you can see in 2015 at UNC Chapel Hill, uh, researchers in, in you know, tandem with the Wuhan Virological Institute were purposefully manipulating the coronavirus in hopes that it would become more virulent. Now, they'll say it wasn't to make biological weapons, mind you. It was to make it easier to study. Now, fancy bread, is it in the heart or is it in the head? As Willy Wonka is famous for saying, we can call it a biological weapon or we could call it, you know. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Easier research. Regardless, this type of study was being done uh, in polio in 1910. And in 1916, you have the largest polio death toll slash outbreak in U.S. history. That's Its epicenter is just a mile or two from the Rockefeller uh, Medical Institute where they were studying this thing. It's very mm-hmm. strange, the, the, the parallels. Remarkable. All right, uh, Forrest Stapewood, we'll take a one final timeout, come back and discuss further. Forrest Moretti, my incredible opinion, myincredibleopinion.com for the podcast. Back with more in a moment. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. And we're back. A few minutes remain with Forrest Moretti. Let me spell that for you. Forrest with two R's. Forrest Moretti. M-A-R-E-A-D-Y. ForrestMoretti.com and MyIncredibleOpinion.com for his podcast. And uh, the author of just uh, thoroughly uh, researched and uh, well-written 
uh, books that almost read like um, mystery books. Uh, the Autism Vaccine, Crooked, Man-Made Disease Explained, Unvaccinated, and The Moth in the Iron Lung, A Biography of Polio. We were talking about parallels between the rollout of the polio vaccine in, 19, in the 1930s and, uh, and COVID, uh, the COVID vaccines. What other parallels? Because uh, you, you point out that in 1932, there was a, a new supposedly safer version of, uh, of, of the, the polio vaccine. This one uh, contained a new ingredient that, that had never been tried on humans before. Yeah, the, that was actually the diphtheria shot, which was uh, in 1932. The, ah, the pol- apologies. The, yeah. yeah, that's right. Polio, the, the interesting parallel between the polio shot is it was rolled out um, with a hasty field trial. Uh, sound familiar? Um, And within a year, they had to shut it down because there were manufacturing problems that were causing paralysis. So now uh, with the coronavirus shot, the problem is the spike protein, which which the shot creates in the human body by design. They've discovered that that is actually a large component of the problem with the virus itself is the spike protein. So they're not going to shut the vaccine down now. There's, there's too much religious fervor behind it. But in the polio decade, which is the 1950s, within a year or two of the initial sock vaccine being rolled out in 53, 54, they had to shut it down because it was paralyzing and killing people. So interestingly, uh, the vaccine itself was causing the same problem it was purported to stop. You have that exact same problem now uh, with the spike proteins that the coronavirus vaccines are are instructing your body to make. I mean, there's it's, some other parallels, but that those are the main two. It's the gain of function research happened early on, and the vaccine was causing the same problem. It was designed to stop. Well, we have a few minutes here. Please uh, let's let's explore further some other some other parallels. This is fascinating. Yeah, the. Um, Let's see if I can think of another. Uh, there was one other when the um, the the uh, Sabin vaccine came online in 1961-62, which was the oral polio vaccine. It was supposed to be safer, and at that point, I mean, not to get into polio, you know, history, but polio had essentially disappeared at that point. Uh, the virus was still endemic; it was circulating, but all the uh, pesticide use that had essentially paved the way for that virus to get into the spinal cord had disappeared. So infections um, no longer mattered anymore. But at that time, um, the, the vaccine was hailed as a success. It was seen as the main reason that polio disappeared. And in fact, polio had begun to disappear many years earlier and, and the vaccine had nothing to do with it. Now, that's not to say the Sabin oral, oral polio vaccine doesn't work, because I think it actually does work, um, but for only a, a very narrow strand. Now, the problem with coronavirus is it's mutating. We all knew this would happen. Anyone who studies immunology uh, for more than a week will say, well, the virus is going to mutate and your vaccine is not going to be able to take care of it. Interestingly, in polio, the same problem happens, not specifically because the polio virus mutates, but because there's a, a large number of viruses that can cause paralysis. 
there's uh, D68, there's Coxsackie virus, there's Echovirus, there's all kinds of um, gastrointestinal infections, which if given the right opportunity through pesticide exposure, can get into your uh, spinal cord and cause paralysis. So they had a real interesting um, way to thread the needle with that, which is they started reclassifying what was called polio and they called it uh, some other things like they had this term called non-acute flaccid myelitis and some other terms. So they essentially split off the diagnosis of what had been called polio and saying, well, uh, vac- uh, polio cases are going down and they did it through a diagnostic criteria. Now you see that same thing in coronavirus uh, through diagnostic criteria. You know, they ramped up the case rate last year by altering the cycle count on these tests um, and, and you may not know this, or your listeners may not know this, but uh, pretty soon after the vaccine started coming out, the CDC and maybe the WHO as well, uh, World Health Organization, lowered the cycle count on um, coronavirus tests. And that, with a stroke of a pen, immediately gave the impression that the vaccines were lowering coronavirus cases because they changed the diagnostic criteria. They did that same thing when the polio vaccine came out. Um, Before the polio vaccine came out, you had uh, a 48-hour window in which if you or your child showed paralysis for those 48 hours, you were considered a positive polio case. When the vaccine came out, they changed that threshold to 60 days. So suddenly, the vaccine appeared to work miracles only because the diagnostic criteria of paralytic polio was changed so drastically. So you're seeing that now in coronavirus with these uh, cycle test changes, and it's going to give the impression the vaccine's working, but I think the public's onto it this time. I think the, um, the public has become wary of all the fear porn that you know these people are using to try and get people to submit to their control. So we'll see how that plays out. Right. Well, every religion needs a miracle uh, and uh, (laughs) the religion of science and medicine, likewise, I suppose. Uh, Forrest, I mentioned the uh, My Incredible Opinion podcast now in season two. Uh, I guess they go to myincredibleopinion.com to subscribe. Yep. Yep. That's uh, it was originally focused on nearly nothing but vaccines. I've expanded the, the reach to be a little more political and religious in nature and uh, expect to be uh, canceled at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right attitude. That's the way I start this show every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and uh, the autism vaccine and crooked man-made disease explained unvaccinated and the moth and the iron lung, a biography of polio. Are they, uh, have they been taken down from Amazon or are they still available there? No, there was a big threat with the autism vaccine. Initially, um, there was a big uh Petition started that had gotten ten or fifteen thousand signatures, asking Amazon to ban it. And a counter petition was started that got I don't know twenty thousand signatures. So uh, incredibly, they haven't banned it. And I'm hoping that all the uproar over the censorship of these potential life-saving treatments for the coronavirus infection will maybe have gotten Amazon to wise up a little bit and realize that they, they should not be the arbiters of truth. Um, you know, sell the books and let people decide. It's, it's foolish uh, for anybody to be a gatekeeper like that. Forrest, uh, great connecting with you again. And um, 
fantastic work. Keep it up and uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate it, Richard. Thanks a lot. Forrest Moretti. All right, that's it for me. Thanks to Jody and Brandon. We're off tomorrow for Canada Day and Friday. For the record, I'll be celebrating Canada Day. I've already displayed a huge Canadian flag on the front porch, and uh, Mighty Aphrodite is festooning the property with little flags. We may even play some or light some fireworks. Uh, It's a flawed country like every other country on Earth. We've got some dark secrets in our past, but unlike most countries, we strive to do better, and that's worth celebrating. All right, uh, back on Monday at 4 o'clock. Don't be late. The Brian Crombie Hour is next. And uh, until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.